BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We have a National Progressive Town Hall meeting today, Middays with Mark. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us. He represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin in the U.S. House. He's the former co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus and obviously a member there now. He's on the Appropriations, Education, and Labor Committees. Pocan.house.gov is his website. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. And Congressman, welcome back. I I don't know if you've been... um, uh, listening to the Supreme Court arguments, I, I've been listening to them for the last hour or so, uh, and have any thoughts on what's going on there? I, I have not had a chance. Uh, you know, it's a normal busy day here in Washington, but uh, I know uh, some of our interns uh, walked over there and they said there's quite a crowd outside. Um, obviously, this case, uh, for many reasons, could blow a, a giant hole into uh, Roe v. Wade, and there's great concerns. We're watching states. Uh, do these various actions that attack a woman's right to make her own health care decisions. So very, very important, but I, I didn't get a chance to watch any of it today. Okay. I should, by the way, I, f- I forgot to mention, Congressman Pocan is with us for the full hour. Our number is 202-808-9925. He'll be taking your calls for this hour. Uh, Congressman, I, I, a question. I've read a number of pieces you know, op-eds or opinion pieces or whatever out there, some in the mainstream media, suggesting that because there has been such radical Republican gerrymandering, um, in, in particularly in red states like Texas, that uh, and Georgia now and, and, and so on, that it's going to be essentially impossible for Democrats to hold the House in 2022, which is a very disheartening message. I'm wondering if you could speak directly to that. Is that the case? I don't think it's, it's, it, we're in a place you can actually say that yet. Uh, it is true there's two elections. The first election is essentially the maps, and we'll know how many uh, districts you will have lost because of gerrymandering. Uh, and then the second will be the actual November election. But, you know, uh, there are some states where I know there are Democrat pickups. There are some states where there are Republican pickups. And there's a whole lot, uh, the majority of states, where we don't have maps yet or uh, we know they're going to court. So to make that statement is probably premature uh, from what I've seen. But, you know, certainly that's of concern because, uh, you know, in, in many ways, the first election uh, for the midterms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two other quick questions uh, before we pick up our phone calls. Uh, it, uh, according to Mark Meadows' book, they're, they're releasing excerpts from it now, and apparently this is, this is timed for his cooperation with the January 6th committee. Um, but uh, apparently Donald Trump tested positive for COVID a couple of days before he debated Joe Biden. 
And, you know, Biden wisely stayed his distance from Trump. But then after that, Trump went to a, 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 a veterans meeting and apparently infected people. Then he had Amy Coney Barrett over and infected people. And then he ended up in the hospital. So, uh, you know, is, is, is this something that Congress should look into? I mean, is this is, if true? Now, apparently he also tested negative after he tested positive, but maybe he just didn't let them stick the swab all the way up his nose or something. I mean, who knows, right? But is this something Congress should be looking into, or is this just another one of those, you know, wild outrages, oh, my God, Trump tried to kill Biden? Well, the news cycle moves along uh, kind of things. You know, I I think it's more um, when you have someone who uh, is terribly uh, self-focused and a narcissist, uh, and only thinks of their own goodwill. Uh, you know, this is what Donald Trump is, right? This is one more uh, example you can add to the thousands of examples of why he wasn't fit to be president when he was president. But I, I don't know what Congress could do necessarily unless you had some people maybe saying, you know, that, that he did this intentionally. I don't think you're going to find that. The good news, though, is um, I think Mark Meadows, it appears, is going to cooperate with the January 6th committee. Uh, and that's good. And I think the fact that Donald Trump's attacking him tells me maybe Mark Meadows has something to say. So I'm going to try to look at that silver lining aspect of this, but I don't know if there's anything inherently that we could address through Congress unless we knew there was something intentional. Okay, and finally, the, the other thing that's at the top of the news uh, right now is uh, Joe Manchin, <laughs> the, the Energizer Bunny of Oh No. Um, it says that uh, inflation and the Omicron variant should cause Congress to uh, put a pause on uh, Joe Biden's Build Back Better bill. Um, uh, how do you think this thing is going to play out? This is going before, and, and when is this, do we have any idea when the vote is going to be scheduled on this thing in the Senate? Well, let me answer him backwards. Chuck Schumer said he wants to have it done by Christmas, and then he also said yesterday he'd like to have the vote the week of December 13th. Uh, so that answers the second part. On the first part, I mean, actually, it's just the opposite of what Joe Manchin is arguing. You know, we have 17 Nobel-winning economists who said the Build Back Better agenda, the bill, will actually uh, relieve some of our inflationary um, actions that we're having right now. So actually, it would help on that front. Uh, and then secondly, I think, you know, the whole reason we're doing all of this is coming out of COVID. And if we've got something that's going to slow down everything again, potentially with COVID, all the more reason to act in other ways that were helping the economy and helping the American people. Um, so, you know, I, I think for Joe Manchin, he just has to finally take a stand on something. And maybe if the, if, if TV cameras stopped talking to him, he would be more willing to, to act on things. But I'm hoping that Chuck Schumer can bring him to the table. To his credit, he did, you know, pre-clear much of the bill. You know, remember, Tom, the Progressive Caucus didn't vote on an infrastructure bill for a few weeks to many people's chagrin. The reason we did it is we wanted a debate to move on BBB. We did that. And because of that, Build Back Better, you know, about 95 percent of the bill is pre-cleared through Senator Manchin and Senator Cinema. So we're much farther than most people think. But there were some things added the final week by Speaker Pelosi and some things that Joe Manchin might still have not agreed to in the end. And there were a couple issues that have to be resolved. The good news, though, is because of the Progressive Caucus, about 95 percent of that bill is, is already been pre-cleared. And, and they're really great provisions in that pretty clear part. Fascinating. Um, is it is it conceivable that things might have been added in specifically so that they could be later taken out so that Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema could claim a victory for their conservative backers? 
it's possible. It's also possible that, you know, um, a lot of things were thrown in the final week to get enough votes in the House to pass Build Back Better. Uh-huh. There's a lot of things that could be possible, Tom. And sure. At some point, I'm sure several books will be written on all this uh, and we'll have a better idea. But, you know, um, Joe Manchin has been, to be, again, to be fair to Joe Manchin, and, and trust me that, you know, I've had many uh, issues with him in the last couple months in trying to move him to some more Democratic values uh, and making sure that we get them done. You know, he had worked through many of these issues and said things like family and medical leave he wasn't comfortable with. So we can't be suddenly surprised he, he said that ahead of time. But Speaker Pelosi, rightfully so, said it's so important she's going to make sure it's in. It's not like he's the only person in the driver's seat. Well, right now, he is one of the few people in the driver's seat, so we'll see how that proceeds. Okay. All right. Well, let's pick up some phone calls here. It's Middays with Mark. Congressman Mark Bocan, uh, the former co-chair and current uh, member of the uh, Congressional Progressive Caucus, uh, is on the line with us for the hour, taking your calls. Nancy in Woodland, California, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Yeah, uh, the Afghan people are starving. They have no medical care. Their society has collapsed. And I'm wondering, will Congress pressure Biden to start releasing uh, in a controlled way the uh, millions and millions of dollars of Afghan money that we have frozen to help alleviate their suffering and also help interpreters and others who helped us get out of the country? Or, or are we already doing that? And do you know what the status is? Yeah, Nancy, so on the, the part about the interpreters, I think many of them we did get out, actually. There's still other people, though, that helped us in other roles that I think we still have some obligations to get out of the country. On the, the, the broader question, I believe right now there may be a letter circulating or about to circulate on just that, is that can we get humanitarian assistance to Afghanistan, given what you mentioned, some of the issues that are going on in that country. But again, you know, I think that this is much better. I'd much rather do humanitarian assistance than what we had for the last 20 years, which is a failed military policy there. We saw how quickly that fell apart. Uh, something else is needed to help people. Uh, that is, I think, an obligation of the United States government as well as other governments to do that. Um, but I think there's uh, something about to move if it's not currently moving in Congress. I, I just saw something earlier this week, and I'm just not sure of the exact timing. Tom in Champaign, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello. Uh, I'm calling about the do you are you aware of the infraguard group that belongs with the fbi i mean they're having their 25-year reunion next june and nobody seems to uh, be aware of this group yeah i i don't know offhand time I, I this is not something that's under my committee jurisdictions i don't know a whole lot about the inner divisions within the fbi sorry Congressman Mark Pocan with us for the hour, taking your calls. Middays with Mark here on the Tom Harpin program, one of our regular traditions. And we're so pleased to have Congressman Pocan with us. We'll be back with more of your calls for him in just a moment. His uh, website, Pocan, P-O-C-A-N.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Taking your calls for Representative Pocan at 202-808-9925. Back with your calls right after this. And welcome back. Alan in Seattle here on the air with uh, Representative Pocan. Yes, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, a quick question to um, add to the Build Back Better bill. 
uh, investing in America's youth. Um, just the idea that the federal government, through the Social Security Administration, taxed on the billionaires, contributes and purchases uh, five shares each of the total New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ, and they get to use that money on their 18th birthday for education tax-free. And go. This is actually, Alan and, uh, and, and Congressman, this is actually an idea that was first proposed by Thomas Paine in uh, his book, uh, Agrarian Justice. Um, he suggested that the government, every, every time a child is born, the government should invest a small amount of money into something that will grow over time, and that child would get that money when they reach the age of majority. Yeah, I, um, at this point, I doubt there's going to be large additions to Build Back Better, uh, given the months of work that have gone into it. Also, that wasn't part of what the president had originally put in it. And don't forget, he had a $6 trillion uh, proposal that's been scaled back to the about $2 trillion in Build Back Better and about $550 um, billion of additional dollars that was in the infrastructure bill. So. I, I don't think a, a new big idea is going to be put in. Um, bluntly, uh, Alan, uh, no matter how much merit it might have, just because uh, you know, right now I think the focus is getting something across the finish line to get uh, all the really great benefits that are in there done so the American people can benefit. Morris in Long Beach, California. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Congressman, do you think it would be a good idea to recall that judge in the Rittenhauer case. Now, I heard a rumor that the guy was elected, and I'm all for that. So that means if he don't act right, he can be recalled. So what you need is for a petitioner to get to, uh, one guy that lives there in Wisconsin, been there 10 days, to petition the state election commission with a statement of intent to recall this guy. And it's got to be done on their official form. I do it myself, but I'm in Long Beach. Do you think that would be a good idea? You folks shut down Marjorie Green. You did the same thing with Gosar and Lori Babbitt. I think that's her name. Now, you got to do something with that guy in Wisconsin. That's your backyard. Do you think that would be a good idea? And thank you, Tom, for this moment. Appreciate it. Thank you, Morris. Yeah, Morris, I think it'd be up to the, the people in Kenosha County, which I know pretty well because I actually grew up there. Um, you know, it's interesting because this judge was appointed in the early 80s uh, by a governor and then since then elected every six years uh, by the people of Kenosha. He's the longest serving judge in Wisconsin. Certainly, uh, some of his actions, I think, uh, had, had ramifications on this case. Um, you know, I think a, a jury watches everything a judge does, and when the judge uh, doesn't allow you to call the people who are shot victims. When the judge uh, allows Kyle Rittenhouse to pull out of a, uh, a bag uh, new juror names uh, because you trust uh, the young man so much. I mean, things like that clearly um, I think were biased, uh, and I hope that whoever reviews judges also might be looking at this. But it would be a decision up to the people in Kenosha County if someone did that. I just know recalls are, are pretty difficult. We've tried them in Wisconsin on the governor's race as well. This is not your district, right, Kenosha? No, this is not my district. Not the area you represent. Um, but yeah. fascinating times and, and a fascinating, absolutely fascinating case. We'll see how that, that uh, shakes out. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us for the hour, taking your phone calls. Middays with Mark on the Tom Harbin program. Pocan.house.gov is his website. You can tweet him at Rep Mark Pocan. And we will be back with more of your calls for Congressman Pocan.
Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And welcome back. Taking your calls for Congress from Mark Pocan. Um, of the Progressive Caucus of the state of Wisconsin and all all, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, Gary in Clarkston, Washington, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Hi, gentlemen. I, I wanted to ask you to do a tutorial for the listeners on this latest incursion that's just come out about um, privatizing Medicare. This D.C. stuff, direct compensation and these D.C.E.s, I think... Uh, the representative is part of the um, uh, push to uh, get these things exposed and eliminated, and I think it would benefit everybody to hear about it. Yeah, these direct contracting entities where your doctor can literally flip you off Medicare and onto a Medicare Advantage program that has given him a nice little spiff, Congressman? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to give you the detail I think he's looking for, um, but I can try to bring it to the next week for Gary and uh, be glad to, to talk about it in a little more detail. Okay. Uh, Wayne in Asheville, North Carolina. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Yeah, hi, Tom. Uh, Representative Pocan, my question is similar to the last caller. Uh, these uh, direct contracting entities, which are currently being used by Medicare to administer funds, I, I'll give you a description. Under the D.C. model, so-called direct contracting entities are paid monthly by the Centers of, for Medicare and Medicaid Services to cover a specified portion of a patient's medical care, a significant shift from current practices. DCEs hey, Wayne, allowed... uh, I, you know, please don't read on the air. What's your question for Congressman Pocan? Okay, my question is, do you know about these efforts to privatize Medicare? And do you support them, or are you working against those? Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Wayne. Yeah, and I think I'll add that to next week. I mean, I don't. There's not an effort currently um, by I think the Democratic administration to privatize uh, Medicare. Let me put that out there. But uh, this is a different way of doing things, and I think I want to make sure I'm giving you the full details in explaining it. Anthony in Detroit, Michigan, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Hello, uh, Representative and Tom. Uh, I, I understand the National Defense Authorization is being brought up uh, well in the Senate today. I know you're in the House, but 
I think it's important for progressives to be against this huge expansion, $25 billion. And so what, are there any senators who are going to vote against that? Have you had conversations with them? And can we get more House members to vote against this? Yeah, Anthony, I'll tell you, this is something that um, Representative Barbara Lee and I have really uh, tried to make a focus on in the last year. And we're going to, in coming years, we, we started a Pentagon Spending Reduction Caucus uh, with this goal in particular. You know, in the House, um, in a bipartisan way, unfortunately, led by Republicans with enough Democrats to join them. But a majority of Democrats voted against it with that additional $25 billion, more than the president requested for defense. Uh, on top of an increase that the president did have in there. And, you know, if you look at us just pulling out of Afghanistan alone, common sense tells you there's savings, and yet here we are putting more money into a department that we don't even have an audit for um, like we do in every other department. There's a lot of reasons why uh, Pentagon spending needs a far more scrutiny and review. I can't tell you exactly what will happen in the Senate other than uh, generally the NDAA does have bipartisan support, so even if some people vote against it, there likely will be the votes for it to come back. My question would be if they make any changes that uh, are, are really bad and there's some that they could try to do, what would happen then when it comes back to the House? And, and that we'll have to see. But uh, my guess is, unfortunately, the military-industrial complex uh, wins on this all too often because every single district has a presence of, of uh, jobs that are related to this. And, unfortunately, people look at the, the defense budget often as a jobs bill uh, not as uh, a statement of our values around defense. Is that is that $25 billion increase a testimonial to the lobbying power of that industry? Um, you know, and also it's often just a knee-jerk response by uh, members of Congress who think we should always put more in their period. They question it quite blindly, um, but it's because of the long-standing relationship between the military contractors as well as in districts, those local contractors. Yeah, totally get it. Congressman Mark Pocan with us. Back with more of your calls for, question, uh, for your questions for Congressman Pocan right after this break. Welcome back, Congressman Mark Pocan, taking your calls for the hour. Middays with Mark on the Tom Harbin program. Lewis in Norristown, Pennsylvania. You are on the air with Representative Pocan. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mark Pocan. Uh, my question is, are, are you guys willing to let this democracy die just to be to keep the quorum and, and, and be nice to people, to Confederates, basically, who want you guys dead? That's kind of a loaded question. Yeah, I was kind of waiting for a better question, Lewis. Yeah. Um, I think he's talking about how Democrats are messaging. I, I'm, I'm guessing that that's the, you know, our... our it might be also, rightfully so, you know, Lewis, that you and, and I and others are very upset about watching the the theatrics by Republicans, especially in the House, um, you know, whether it be Lauren Borbert and her most recent actions against Ilhan Omar, Paul Gosar, how we had to deal with him. You know, the real problem is uh, everyone is auditioning for, you know, a better uh, table uh, seat at the next uh, Christmas dinner at Mar-a-Lago, right? Everyone's appealing to an audience of one. Knowing that, it's also a great fundraising thing uh, among the far right uh, to be as extreme as possible. The problem is uh, it's also denigrating the institution of Congress and putting people at risk. Uh, I just read uh, there was a death threat via email to Ilhan Omar uh, just since Lauren Boebert's most recent, uh, again, statements. And, and 
you know, this is something Kevin McCarthy has to stand up and be a leader. You know, we can take people's committees away. We can do this. But, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene raised $3 million that quarter, uh, which is in, uh, more than many of us raised in four years, Tom. Uh, she raised in a quarter uh, by acting crazy. And I, I think, you know, that's where Kevin McCarthy at some point has to stand up and, and other Republican leaders. It can't just be Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. Uh, who stand up for for what the Republican Party used to be when it was a political party before it was a cult. So I totally get why Lewis would be upset. Uh, I just don't know what else, you know, we can do in many ways other than uh, at some point, you know, make that extremism a liability, not an asset. Right now, unfortunately, the way the Republicans operate, being extreme uh, is an asset, not a liability. Sadly. Paul in Portland, Oregon, you're on the air with Congressman Pokian. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, uh, gerrymandering earlier and uh, with the Electoral College. Um, I Maybe uh, Representative Pocan can answer my question, why state and federal elections are not separate. Um, we don't tax that way, um, and it would give us uh, an unquestionable winner, um, and it gives us a better idea of what all Americans really want. And I'll take my question, my answer off air. Yeah, Paul, some places, like I believe New York, I'm not sure if they still do it, but they used to have their state elections on a different day than the federal elections. The problem, as you probably uh, are aware, is it's tough enough to get people to vote, even with the limited number of elections we have, which I think is why you often see them combined. Um, usually they're combined because they're partisan elections as opposed to nonpartisan local elections, although that's not true everywhere. Sometimes local elections are partisan. Um, but I, I really believe it's, it's more of a matter of trying to get out the most voters by having a, a smaller number of elections. Generally, they're spring and fall elections. Um, generally uneven years uh, for some of the, the federal and state offices, but obviously not true in places like Virginia and New Jersey. I have kind of a follow-up on that. If yeah. uh, the Senate drills a hole in the filibuster and passes any of the voting, right bill, uh, voting rights bills that are before them uh, successfully, and uh, I, I know at least two out of the three bills specifically address gerrymandering and basically outlaw what Texas just did, um, there's also a provision in the Constitution that says you can't pass post, what, what is it called, ex post, fast, ex post facto laws. In other words, you can't write a law today that goes back and makes something that was done in the past illegal. Um, if either of those, if, if either of those bills were to pass the Senate, would that undo what Texas did or is that set in cement now for the next 10 years? My guess is it would be a legal challenge and could change after the next election. The problem is in places like Texas and I'm forgetting the other state, they have March primaries. And I, I don't think the Senate would be acting in time to affect a March primary because I, I think it, it could even be that, that they're starting to do things like getting on the ballot right now in those states. I'm forgetting the second state off hand, Tom. Mm -hmm. But two states have those early March uh, primaries, which would make it very difficult. But, you know, I, I think some of this is still kind of a fantasy Congress, right? I'm waiting for the Senate to actually show they have enough backbone to stand up to the filibuster. I'm not sure that's the case. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Mary in Waterloo, Iowa, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Okay. President Trump had, had his tax plan. And I have in front of me a family of one that makes 35000 or less, their taxes will be increased by $343. And the family of two would increase 
368, a family of five will increase $895. Has that been changed by Congress? Because you, Trump took away the deductions and he, we itemized, I should say, like taxes and everything, and, and now you get one lump sum, which increases all our taxes. Yeah, Mary, so I don't know what chart you're working off of because I, do, I don't think it's quite that simple. Um, I agree with you. They got rid of many deductions that people took advantage of, including things like union dues for working people and other things that clearly uh, increased their tax burden. Um, when they passed that, uh, that several trillion dollar bill, uh, that 86% of the money went to the top 1%. Um, but I, I, I can't tell you that there, I, I don't think it's as simple as that specific numbers you're saying, because it really does depend on an individual's um, uh, taxing ability. H having said that, I think that's why in Build Back Better, we finally have some breaks for the average person. If you have kids, uh, the child tax credit uh, clearly is good for 40 million American families. You're going to save money by uh, paying no more than 7% of your income on on things like child care, you're going to have additional uh, resources for senior care. As a senior, you'll pay no more than $2,000 out of pocket for your prescription drugs. There are a number of measures that will save the average person quite a bit of money uh, that are in Build Back Better, hopefully, once we get this finished and assuming the Senate doesn't change those provisions. Raven, whoops, there we go. Raven in Medford, Oregon, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Hey, how are you? So I'm going to say what I'm going to, I'm going to try to make it as brief as possible. Um, and I'm saying this as a person who knows what it's like to wear something similar to a star that the Jews had to wear. How can you expect us to have faith in you when you've let Manchin become de facto president, Cinema become de facto vice president, Green de facto speaker of the house, you slim down the Build Back Better plan to we'll only support New York City for the next 10 years. You've allowed voter rights to be suppressed. You've allowed abortion, anti-abortion laws to free through the land. Outrageous gerrymandering. And speaking as a vet, you can't defend the nation if the nation is disillusioned, unemployed, homeless, dying of disease, and you're, you're pouring over $7 trillion into the military. I know for a fact as a vet, the military is drastically over budget and bloated. That seven trillion should have come to the people. We made Herculean so, efforts to put you guys in office, and yet you sit there with your tail between your legs and talk about bipartisanship. What do you intend to do? Because you know what? As a black person and speaking to the black and brown people and the queer people, we don't have a lot of faith in you. We feel that what we did with truth between two evils, and you've horribly disappointed us. What do you expect to do to gain that faith back? Because you're yeah, Raven. So you got a lot of rhetoric there, an awful lot of rhetoric, and uh, not a lot of it is really correct. Uh, let's just put it this way: we don't empower Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. They're a vote in a 50-50 Senate. The Constitution, unfortunately, empowers them. The Senate rules of a filibuster unfortunately, uh, empower them. And you can't change the rules unless you have those two change the rules, right? So we're not doing something. And I think that's the problem. You know, it's so easy to just blame people, but at some point you actually have to look at the actual rules 
that are set up around federal government. I wish they didn't exist. I think that's why elections are so important. Uh, we have to make sure that we pick up enough Senate seats that Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are completely irrelevant. And that would be a great scenario. But you can't do anything else. Uh, around that. So, you know, you had a lot of rhetoric out there, a lot of statements that just weren't correct. I just can't. I wish I could address every single one, Raven, other than, you know, I, I, I don't know if you're actually getting them from somewhere or you're just kind of putting them together. But it's, it's the system uh, is designed by the Constitution and many things we can't just change as individual members, especially around the Senate. I wish we could, trust me, because uh, we would have then have a $6 trillion Build Back Better bill. But what's in there is still a huge advantage for the American people. And I think rather than dissing the bill, I think that's a huge mistake. You should look at the benefits that are actually there because I guarantee you are benefiting Raven. Dave in West Palm Beach, Florida, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Hey, so, so my question is, so, so I, I listened to the entire Supreme Court argument this morning. When is a fetus become a person? Yeah. I, 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 I didn't hear the arguments this morning, so I don't know if there's something specifically you're referring to. Unfortunately, Dave, I, you know, I've got this day job here in Congress. I wish I could watch some of these things because it would be awesome because uh, they are impacting uh, many of the laws we make. I just didn't see the testimony this morning, so I don't know if there's something you're referring to specifically. I think the, uh, you know, what, what Roe and Casey decided was that a uh, fetus becomes a person at the point of viability. Um, and that's, that's the, one of the big things they were debating this morning. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And welcome back. Richard in Palm Springs, California. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Hi, Representative. I'm just curious with all the attention on mansion and cinema. Has anybody ever and how much they're enjoying the power that they seem to have over frustrating everybody and getting the limelight. Has anybody ever asked them if they realize that they're kicking off their voting base and that even though they're not up for election, there's a bunch that are, and it's already being said that the Democrats are going to lose, that they're going to lose all that power and all of that focus? 
Yeah, Richard, I completely agree with your frustration. Trust me, uh, I, I've served in local government, state government, federal government. It seems like every level I go up, um, there are more individual sport players and fewer team sport players, and that's part of the problem, right? I don't know if they care so much about uh, you know, their colleagues as much as in their own states. In Joe Manchin's case, he's looking at a state that Joe Biden lost by 36 points, and he's uh, taking full advantage, I guess, of, of, of pointing that out. In Kirsten Cinemas, I don't think she has that excuse because Joe Biden narrowly won Arizona. But um, I agree with you. I Trust me, I'm, I'm a total team sport player. That's why I was the chair of the Progressive Caucus for four years, why I work with other people who have similar values because we can get more done. Um, but unfortunately, not everyone thinks that way. And as much as we may try to have those conversations with people, uh, for some people, uh, a camera is like air or water to the rest of us. And, uh, you know, it, it's very frustrating for someone like myself who, you know, wants to get big things done. We've got some real opportunities, albeit with tight margins. And all you need are a few people that can really hold everything up. John in Tacoma, Washington, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Yes, uh, Congressman. Um, since everyone is, well, not everyone, but certain people seem to be piling on uh, President Biden for the way he left Afghanistan. I was wondering, has there been any follow-up on what happened to the Kurds after they were abandoned under the last administration? I think there's been lots written on this. I mean, the, the, what you point out at a 30,000-foot level, I think, is a really intriguing question, John, which is the public agrees with us leaving Afghanistan because after 20 years they see there never was a mission that made sense in the very beginning, and we lost a lot of lives and spent a lot of money on something that fell apart literally uh, in, in days. Um, and, and, and I think that, you would think, would have added to support for the president, but because of the visuals on how it left, and you knew you were going to have many of those no matter what, because of the failed mission for 20 years, uh, he seems to be negatively impacted by that. And that's really taken quite a toll on his support. So I, I, I wish I could give you a better answer on why that happened, because I don't quite understand it. I would think that they would agree with the bigger premise, which is let's not be involved everywhere uh, internationally. We don't have to be the, the, the policemen, so to speak, of the world. And yet, um, you know, that was the first hit. And now I think inflation and things like gas prices are really, really uh, hurting the president. And, you know, he's trying to do some things around that. But, um, you know, part of that initial hit came uh, from Afghanistan. And yet they agree with what he did, just not what they saw. Yeah. Congressman Mark Pocan with us, taking your calls for the hour. And uh, Eric in Erie, Pennsylvania, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, Representative Pocan, I'm wondering if maybe it's time to start uh, approaching policy in a slightly different way from the Democratic Party uh, towards individual working and working class adults. Um, if you look at some of the stats we're seeing on millennials and Gen Zs that are choosing to not have children or to at least have many fewer than their predecessors. Um, you look at policy from the Republican point of view, there's something for rich people and something for corporations. 
And if you look at it from what the Democratic Party is usually offering up, it's family, 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 pre-K, family care. You know, um, we're going to have a lot of uh, working and working class uh, adults who would like to be economically independent and upwardly mobile. But there's never policy that uh, we can get a tax deduction or anything on. I'm wondering if maybe it's time to start looking at adult individuals as much as we look at breeding. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, when the Build Back Better bill gets done, I think that'll be the best opportunity to, it's, it's like we're already talking about, how do we get all this information out about what's in it? Because there's so much, and there is a lot for, you're right, uh, people with families, right? The child care provisions, the child tax credit, and there's a lot for seniors, the out of money, uh, out of pocket money for, for drugs and the senior care provisions. But there's also a lot for people who either don't have kids or aren't seniors, uh, including things like the largest investment ever in climate change and a lot of other measures. There's just so much in this bill. And that is probably the greatest challenge we have, is making sure that people understand how they're impacted. Because the one thing, Tom, that I think we all need to realize is people think about themselves first and foremost. And uh, unless you're sending a message to them about how they're benefiting, they're not going to necessarily care about some of these other provisions. And, you know, we're hearing it right now. and We've heard it from others. And they're not saying it's wrong. It's just it's human nature. But we need to be able to identify all of those great provisions that are in there. Um, my, my only fear is if you do it now and something gets taken out by the Senate, you know, then, you know, you've got some incorrect information out there. We're, we're still going to be talking about aspects we think that are fairly solid. But I, I want, uh, you know, the gentleman to know that, uh, there are absolutely provisions you're benefiting from in a number of areas. Uh, our task, and, our, and it's really a difficult task, is there's so much in that bill to make sure we're getting those messages out. I, I have said many times there'll be five or ten things people actually remember out of there, and there are literally thousands of things in that bill that benefit people. So um, it is a real task, and I think uh, the caller rightly points that out. Carmen in Columbia, South Carolina. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Hello, Representative. Uh, my, my question is, um, when we spring forward with our time in March, can you guys pass along where we permanently stay there? <laughs> yeah, this is one of those <laughs> debates uh, that I'll tell you, I, I, <laughs> um, it, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear it from some constituents. I don't think we're about to change that uh, right now, given uh, everything that's out there. But I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, I think the the time change is certainly an issue that uh, is, is a debatable issue. It's one of those that I generally avoid at holidays with family and friends because uh, it seems to be a little difficult to win one way or the other. But I, I don't anticipate a change. Uh, probably not the answer you want to hear, but probably the most honest answer. My vote is for permanent standard time for what it's worth. <laughs> Rich in San Bernardino, California. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. We're down to about a minute and a half, by the way. Rich? No, Rich. Hello. Let's try Alejandro in Miami, Florida. Alejandro, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Hello, Congressman. How are you doing today? Good. Good, good Alejandro. Thank you. Okay, so I, I just want to know, I, I'm an attorney, and, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the constitutional balance of powers, the separation of powers, you know, is really important for everyone, not just an attorney. So I would like to know, what is Congress's plan to finally end the 2001 AUMF, you know, the blank check for war? As you know, only Congress has the power to declare war. So I consider the AUMF a usurpation of that right, because the executive shouldn't have that power to declare war and go to war wherever he wants. It should be just Congress has to do it every time. 
to prevent, you know, an autocratic president or just president going to war without our approval. Right. So what are your thoughts on that, and what is Congress trying to do to fix that problem? Yeah, there you go, reading the Constitution again. Um, <laughs> you're exactly right. Uh, we have tried. Barbara Lee, I think, has been the lead in Congress in dealing with this. We almost got it done when Paul Ryan was Speaker. We had a vote out of appropriations that was, I think, you know, 40-something to one or 50, whatever the exact number of committee members we have. And then Paul Ryan single-handedly took it out. Um, there's bipartisan support to do it. Um, there's also some bipartisan opposition to do it, but you know I think the support is there. It's just I think some in leadership in both parties have been um, a bit more reluctant to see that change. But you're right. The Constitution says it's up to Congress. We have overly um, vague AUMFs that presidents in both parties have abused. There's no question we should deal with it. So you're 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 right on the issue. You're right on the reading of the Constitution. Uh, unfortunately, Congress has had a hard time getting this done. Congressman, thanks so much for dropping by. It's always great talking with you. We, re we really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Good yep. seeing everybody. Good talking with you. Thank you. Congressman Mark Pocan. Pocan.house.gov is his website. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan, one of the genuinely good guys out there. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Uh, Kate in Lamont, Illinois. Hey, Kate, what's on your mind today? Uh, yes, I wanted to respond to Congressman Pocan's response to the person who called in with um, what he called with a lot of rhetoric. I mean, it's a lot of things Democrats are very sorry have happened and wish Democrats uh, in Congress could have stopped. But anyway, that Kate, Democrats... Kate, could you put your mouth closer to the microphone, please? Yes, yes. Thank um, you. You know, um, Congressman Pocan said, and we are just dumbfounded that he didn't know if Democrats were in favor of Medicare Advantage. We assume Democrats... No, uh, Congressman Pocan is very clear that he's opposed to Medicare Advantage. We've talked about it many times in this program. What he didn't, un what he didn't have the details on were direct contracting entities, which is this whole new thing that the Trump administration came up with and rolled out and, and now is, is actually growing where your doctor can actually flip you off Medicare and onto Medicare Advantage without you even knowing it. And yes, it's, I it's understand, criminal. but what he said was he didn't know if, if they were in favor of Medicare Advantage. That's what he actually said. Right. And I think that needs to be clarified. And we've been wondering for years why Democrats didn't say they're opposed to something that Republicans are promoting to try to destroy Medicare. Yeah. We don't understand why Democrats aren't making that clear, abundantly clear, that that is not a good thing and that they are opposed to it. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it, Kate. And, 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 you know, I know Congressman Pocan and I know that he knows, in fact, he, we went through this a year ago when he tried to get his 90-year-old mother off Medicare oh, I know he did. <laughs> and I, I thought that we, it was straight then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, it is. And uh, what he didn't know about his DCEs, and frankly, two months ago, neither did I. Uh, you know, uh -huh. I mean, this is, this is, yeah, yeah, I understand. it's kind of a new thing that's been sprung on us. And, and uh, in fact, we're going to have 
um, uh, one of the physicians from uh, PNHP on this program next week or maybe even later this week to talk to do a deep dive on it because it's a huge huge issue. Kate, that would be great. And it's so good that he said we just need to vote in more Democrats. That is so true. It's not that Democrats are doing these things or that they aren't trying to stop them. It's that they need more support from the yeah. people to vote in more Democrats to I'm stop. With you. Yep, I'm and they with you. need to make that clear. Yes. Uh, boy, the messaging is so important. Yeah, I'm with you. Thank you very much, Kate, for the call. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Julie in Minneapolis. Hey, Julie, what's on your mind today? Hi, thanks for taking my call. My phone uh, dropped off accidentally. Uh -huh. I'd like to say quickly, uh, before I get to my point, we do not have the Equal Rights Amendment, people. That's why we are there today. We I was fascinated women. by the arguments also. 14th Amendment doesn't cut it. Besides, there are three justices that want to get rid of the 14th Amendment. Um, Part of my point today is, I'm your age, Tom. I was in college in 1971. At the age 21, I tried to get birth control pills. The doctor asked me if I was getting married next month. I said no, and so he wouldn't give me birth control pills. I didn't find out until recently, in retrospect, uh, oral contraceptives were illegal for single women uh, back then. I believe that one of the goals of the far-right justices is to eliminate birth control because in their mind life begins at conception um, oh it goes even beyond so that that's for, one of for... the results and i also hope that democrats don't sit back cross their legs and wait for white women to come forward everybody needs to be involved in this yeah. thank you i'd like your response sure i i i agree with you julie and um in fact there is a movement in texas to ban all kinds of oral contraception because they consider them to be uh, quote abortions uh, because what those uh, what these uh, birth control pills do is they they don't prevent the fertilization of the of the egg in the fallopian tube they prevent it from implanting in the in the wall of the uterus and and you know which is like a three-day process you know if I'm remembering my high school biology correctly and therefore they say ah it's it's actually causing an abortion and there, there's an actual movement to outlaw uh, hormonal birth control, you know, which is basically uh, everything except condoms, you know, and, and, and they want to outlaw IUDs and things like that. So, yeah, I, it's, it's, uh, this is very much the direction, uh, in my opinion, that, that some of these people want to go. It's, it's what Norma was saying in the last hour, you know, that they want women barefoot, pregnant, in the kitchen, subservient to their husbands, just like the women in, in the, that, that Catholic cult that uh, Amy Coney Barrett grew up in, uh, People of Praise, I think it's called, you know, where uh, the, the, the man is the head of the household. Um, you know, is, it, that's, that's what they're all about. Les, in uh, Winnemucca, Nevada. Hey, Les, what's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Great show. Thank you. I, uh, I wanted to say I'm seeing a real correlation between what happened to Jimmy Carter 
1980 and what's going on right now with the oil companies fixing their prices and, uh, you know, basically trying to make Biden look as bad as they can so that they can get another Republican in there. Yeah. Then they want a Republican in there because they want the autocrats running things because that's what they are. I agree. Autocrats. I agree. And, you know, Saudi Arabia is right at the front of that line. And in addition to that, the other thing that Carter, the other challenge Carter had was that the Fed raised interest rates substantially leading up to the 1980 election to try to stop inflation, or at least that was the theory. And what it did was it cooled down the economy, which freaked everybody out and made them vote for Reagan. I mean, you know, it was just like, and and now you've got Jerome Powell just two days ago came out and said, well, you know, it's time to start dialing back on our support of the economy. And I'm like, oh, geez, just in time for the election. And, and of course, Jerome Powell was we a Republican also, and a banker. We also had Reagan backdoor in a deal to hold the hostages oh, yeah. until after the election. Yeah. Now, we didn't know that at the time, but that shows you the depth of just the real corruption that's really, to me, it started in 68 with the... Uh, with the Southern strategy. Yep, Nixon's Southern you know, strategy. A way to get the racist all on their side. And yep. they've been placating those people ever since. And now it's out of control, all of them. Yeah. Well, and on they top of that, you had now. you also had, um, in 1968, you had, uh, what's his name, uh, Richard Nixon, cutting a deal with, uh, with Vietnam to say, uh, you know, if you'll if you'll refuse to go along, I mean, in August of '68, Lyndon Johnson and his vice president Hubert Humphrey, who was running for president, had had negotiated a deal with South Vietnam. They were going to ratify it at the Paris uh, peace deal, and Nixon inserted himself in this. This is LBJ um, in a phone conversation with Everett Dirksen, the Republican leader of, uh, I'm not sure if he was the the majority leader at the time uh, or leader of the Senate, but he was probably the most senior and well-respected Republican in the United States Senate. And here's the conversation. Here's the latest latest, uh, information we got. The agent says that uh, she's just, they just talked to the boss in New Mexico. Uh And that he says that you must hold out, just hold on until after the election. We know what Chew is saying to them out there. Yeah. We're pretty well informed on both ends. Now, I'm reading their hand, Everett. I don't want to get this in the campaign. That's right. And they oughtn't to be doing this. This is treason. I know. <laughs> they oughtn't to be doing this. This is treason. I know. And that was 68. And then in 1980, as you point out, Reagan had cut a secret deal with the Iranians to hang on to the hostages in order to embarrass Jimmy Carter, which worked very successfully. Um, and then, you know, in 2000, you get the Supreme Court installing George W. Bush. I, I, I have been saying for years and years, we have not had a legitimate Republican president in the United States since Dwight Eisenhower. Can I say one more thing here real you quick? May. I'll get off the air. I, I saw a tape of John Wayne at the 76, right after the election of Jimmy Carter in 76, talking to a bunch of California Republicans. And I, I, I can't remember his words exactly, but I got it real close. He said, I'm a proud Republican, but I'm an American first. And I'm going to do everything I can to help this president be successful. Because when he's successful, 
were successful. And he was speaking of Jimmy Carter. Was, he was talking about Jimmy Carter yeah. and, and that they had just lost. And he back forward and they just lost. And that was his, his speech. And, and, you know, if you read Washington's letter to the Congress, to the new Congress, it's going to right up the middle right and, and okay yeah. the... No, I, 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 Les, I'm sorry, we're out of time, but yes, George Washington's farewell address in which he, he warns us against partisanship is more prescient today than ever before. Lori in Ocala, Florida. Hey, Lori, what's on your mind? Thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having this show. I love it. Um, I think the whole abortion thing. If Lori, if I could, if I could, could you please put your mouth closer to the microphone? Just hold okay. your phone right up to your How's mouth. That? I have ear pods in. Can you hear me better? Um, yeah, let, let's let, just go ahead. I'll shake the I'll shake the ear pods out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, audio, can you hear me? Yes, I can. And um, oh. and and let me just say right now for everybody who's listening or mm -hmm. watching. From this point forward, when I put people on the air and they are not talking directly into their microphone, I'm going to drop the call or put them back on hold so that Joyce can deal with it. And, and they're going to start back, you know, in line. Um, uh, so, Lori, what did you want to say? All right. Time to reintroduce shame into politics, okay? Mm -hmm. Who are they trying to hide? Who do they work for? How much are they paying? I have the abortion listed as the pregnancy racket in my book. Um, I think it was the Solicitor General today that pointed out that one in 10 women take advantage of the availability of abortion. That's a lot of women. I think one it's one in, in four, actually. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if it's the actual. That was what Sonia said, Sotomayor said, uh, as I recall. Okay. okay. And well, one in four. Yes, one in four. That is crazy. Who does banning abortions benefit the most? Is it God? Is it Christians? Or is it the ever-growing health industry? Pregnancies are a racket. They're nothing if not profitable. We need to understand that they're pushing this into the churches. The church I grew up in, they didn't, nobody cared about abortions. It wasn't a thing. Why is it suddenly a thing? because it's got a price tag next to it. And I think that Democrats need to come up with a way of addressing this. They don't care about you. They care about making money off of your body producing babies. Sounds yeah. pretty crude, but that's what I think. Yeah. Lori, you know, respectfully, I, I, I don't agree. I, I don't think this is about money. I, I get it that there are, you know, maybe the the Obgin population out there, you know, the obstetricians uh, lobby is, is uh, working behind the scenes. But, but uh, I think that what has happened is that Republicans saw this as an issue where there was basically no downside because they didn't think that the Supreme Court would ever overturn its own decision. And so mm -hmm. for, for 50 years now, they've been out there yelling and screaming about how, you know, we've got to overturn Roe. Just like in the 50s and 60s, they were out there yelling, we've got to overturn Brown v. Board of Education. And again, they felt safe in, in that, you know, it's not going to happen. So we can yell about it because if it did happen, then suddenly it would it would reflect very poorly on them. Well, now they're going to be, I predict, next year. And I think it's going to this is going to throw up a, a small, uh, you know, 
cherry bomb into the middle of the, of the political crowd here. Um, now they're going to be dealing with the reality of the end of legal abortions in about half of the United States. And the backlash to that, which they have not had to deal with over the last 50 years, because you know a lot of voters and a lot of women have been sitting back going, oh, they'll never do it. You know, it's not a big deal. They're just, do, it's just performance theater. It's just Republicans trying to do fundraising. So, you know, I may be wrong. You may be right, Lori, but I'm not seeing the evidence of it. I'm skeptical, but you know, you never know. Lori, thank you for the call. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and uh, Rick in Syracuse. Whoops. Push the button, right button there. Hey, Rick how you Syracuse, doing, sir? Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. What's up? Yes. Okay. Um, I have a question, and maybe it's me. I, I'm a vaccinated person. I'm a truck driver. And I, I see CNN, MSNBC, I see uh, Fox News, you know, and all this. And I see that none of them are talking about how last year we were close. And this year, literally, because of Biden administration and Kamala Harris, um, done the vaccine so much, you know, and that's why we we open more than any other countries. But they're not talking about that. They're talking either fuel or the the, the cost of living is higher because we are literally 90 percent open. And as any other country, it is not even half open because yeah. well, it, it varies around the world. But it, the point you're making, Rick, is that the press is never, almost never highlighting the successes of the Biden administration. And, yeah. Why? and it's because in news, there's this old saying, if it bleeds, it leads, right? You know, if, if, if a dog bites a man, that's not news. If a man bites a dog, that is news because it's so unusual. So they go for the, and this is why Donald Trump was such a brilliant marketer of his own presidency. Literally every single day, he'd walk out of the White House, walk up to the the press bunch and and tell them how wonderful he was doing and it would get carried and and frankly i think that biden needs to be doing something very much like that I or he they, needs they need to the bidens and the, the the democrats they need to start talking about it right and or he no, needs a bunch of good surrogates no who can do that yeah i'm with you rick I'm, t- I'm completely with you i totally agree thank you for the call you've been listening to tom hartman For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.